Hello, it's April 25th, 2020. My name is Alexandra DeLuise, and I'm here with Anouk Bringer to do an interview as part of the Vermont Folklife Center's Listening in Place project. This interview is taking place over the phone as I am in New Jersey and Anouk is up in Vermont. We're going to be talking about Anouk's experience in quarantine so far during COVID-19. Hi, welcome to Vermont Untapped, a podcast from the Vermont Folklife Center that explores the state through the voices of its own residents. I'm Mary Wesley. It's now been over a year since the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic. Many of us are marking strange milestones, second pandemic birthdays, another round of virtual seders for Passover, observing the first signs of springtime on distanced walks with friends, remembering where we were the last time we saw crocus and snowdrops poking up through the half-frozen earth. Here at the VFC, we're also taking a moment to revisit where we were as an organization at the start of the pandemic and to look back on a year of our Listening in Place project. Hello, my name is Olivia and I am a senior at the University of Vermont. Um, and I am interviewing my mom, Nancy, today, who is a UVM alum. Listening in Place has been VFC's main response to COVID-19. It's an effort to engage with personal stories as a way to strengthen our relationships and create a record of what Vermonters are experiencing throughout the pandemic and beyond. You've been hearing audio clips from interviews sent to us by people all around the state in response to our invitation to contribute to the crowdsourced Listening in Place sound archive. What's like a little, I guess one question I I was thinking about for myself and for you, um, is there any like little thing that you miss? That's a good question. You'll be hearing more examples from this collection throughout the show. From the beginning, Listening in Place has been an effort to respond to the pandemic situation in a meaningful way, while also staying safe and staying true to our mission as an organization. It was launched in late March 2020, following a series of slightly panicked phone calls and Zoom chats among our staff as we adapted to remote work. Here's what we came up with. Number one. We believe that a pathway through anxiety, fear, and uncertainty lies in the act of listening as much as it does in the act of telling one's story. Number two, we know how to teach the skills of interviewing and audio recording. Three, we have a public archive, which represents an ever-growing collection of recordings of Vermonters describing their everyday lives. So VFC archivist Andy Kolovos and I, with a lot of help from our colleagues, threw together a Listening in Place website. It had a description of the project, some how-to guides on interviewing and remote recording, and a portal where people could upload their recordings. As we spread the word about the project, we hoped people would take this invitation to sit down with someone in their household or remotely, and while sheltering in place, share their thoughts and listen to one another. Our primary aim was that a listening-in-place interview would strengthen or renew relationships and help people feel more connected at a time of extreme fear and isolation. Recording conversations wasn't a requirement, but some people did hit record and send us their digital audio files. In the case of Alexandra and Olivia, who you heard at the top of the show, their interviews were part of an assignment for a University of Vermont public communication class on activist journalism. 
Some students interviewed their roommates. Some spoke with parents who they were suddenly living with again after campus shut down. We received other recordings too a father talking to his kids, people connecting remotely with friends who were far away or who were quarantining just across town. While this selection of crowdsourced recordings isn't representative of the vast range of experiences of Vermonters during the early days of the pandemic, they do provide small windows into people's personal worlds at the time. Let's listen to some more. As I often note these days, the recordings you're about to hear were recorded on smartphones or remotely over Zoom, so the sound quality is sometimes dicey. We'll pick up with UVM student Alexandra DeLuise, at home in New Jersey, speaking with her friend Anouk, who was quarantining in Vermont at the time of the interview. I guess what I'm trying to say is, how does it feel to be experiencing this global crisis away from your home state? Um, that's a good question. Um, I personally feel that Vermont is my home state just because I've, I like to adapt to, to new situations and new situations are normally my home because I've traveled and moved around a lot as a kid. So whatever I'm I'm in right now is kind of my home state. So Vermont is my home state for now. But I mean, of course, it's way different. Um, no one's around, really. No one goes out. Um, when you do go out, there's kind of this tension in the air, and you've like we've never seen that before. There's I don't think there's ever been a moment in our lives quite like this. Um, it's definitely getting harder as as the weeks and the months grow longer and I haven't seen my family since January and I think it's it's really starting to weigh down on me. Hello, my name is Olivia and I am a senior at the University of Vermont um, and I am interviewing my mom Nancy today who is a UVM alum and she is a principal at an elementary school. So we'll be talking about um, kind of the transition to remote learning and what that has looked like. It's really, really busy. Um, and I'm one of the biggest adjustments has been that it's hard to get away from it. I feel like it's almost 24 seven but I've needed to make sure I, I shut down for the day. It's harder when you're working from home. To me, the biggest piece out of all of this is the equity piece, no matter how we provided Chromebooks for every student who needed it, but giving them a Chromebook and having the support at home. Um, some of the parents are essential workers, some of them really just have so many other things going on right now that they can't be sitting down and reading with their child or figuring out how to upload a document to Google Classroom. So the equity piece is something I'm struggling with every day. Hey, this is Mike McGrath. I live in South Burlington, Vermont. It is April 10th, 2020. I'm here with my six-year-old son, 
Theodore, and uh, I'm going to interview him about our experience um, so far. We've been at home I, I, at least 20 days, probably more than that, um, and I'm just going to talk to him a little bit about it. So Theodore, um, in the background, you can hear Freddie playing with Legos. He's played a lot with Legos um, in the last few weeks. Theodore, what do you think uh, about staying at home with the because of the coronavirus? I think it's fun, but you miss your friends. What do you miss about your friends? Just being with them. Mm-hmm. Has there been anything that has surprised you, or do you have any questions about the virus? No. Since my mom worked at doctor... Um, people have been scaring me with it, but now I'm fine. I'm used to it. You felt scared at first? Mm-hmm. What were you scared about? Like, people were just telling me it was so dangerous, and lots of people could get it at any age. And, like, someone said to me, I'm young and old get it, and then we figured out that's not true. Mm. So you were sort of worried that you could get sick? or mm-hmm. yeah. Well, Theodore, um, I just wanted to tell you that uh, even though, you know, the circumstances of people being sick and having to worry about that is not a good thing, I'm really happy to have spent all this time with you and your brother and your mom at, at home, even though mom and dad have to work a lot during the day. You guys have been really good about... We're used to it. Yeah? Used to what? Just staying home and you guys working. Mm-hmm. Well, you... um, I've really enjoyed some of our time together. Reading together and working on your homework and, um, you know, going on walks in the neighborhood and going on walks in the woods. And, you know, your brother learned to, to ride a two-wheel bike recently. I think we had some extra practice, so that was sort of a good thing that came out of this, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, thanks very much. Hi. Oh, hi. Okay, so we're recording. Oh, the um, recording thing is working. Okay. The recording thing right. is working. I just had to, I just, you call both numbers and you merge them together, and then you're on a three-way Whoa. call. Whoa. Cool. Three-way um, call with the recorder. I like that. <laughs> yeah, right. With an app, you, me, and an app. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, okay. Uh, so today is April 3rd. Um, my name is Eliza West. I'm in Richmond, Vermont. Um, can you tell me your name and where you are? I am Ariel Swire, and I am in Montpelier, Vermont, in my oh. parents' attic. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for the sake of this interview, would you be willing to sort of introduce me and how we know each other? Oh, certainly. Okay, so I'm talking to the lovely Eliza West, who I have known since we were in like seventh and eighth grade um, at a school in Shelburne, Vermont. I feel like you're someone where we knew that we were going to be friends like pretty much instantly, which doesn't happen with everybody. Um, Eliza is someone who I have called over the years, and she's called me to discuss 
life and all of the things we're thinking about. Um, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, Eliza's great. Eliza's that's, just great. <laughs> that's kind of a selfish question because I just like to, it, it's very interesting to hear that perspective, especially when I know you're not talking just to me. Yeah. So, we're off talking um, to the recorder. Yeah. No, exactly. Eliza is, is, is brilliant. You, I, <laughs> everyone have a conversation with her. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'll say that we have had this, friendship that has taken place like largely on the phone for like 15 years and starting like really when I when I was about 14 um my family moved to England for a couple of years and so I guess we really sort of established this um sort of ability to to have our our friendship over the phone like quite early on yeah, we have um, a successful long-term, really long-distance relationship. We do, we do. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ariel had been living in Queens, New York, but when Eliza interviewed her, she had just returned to her parents' house in Montpelier, Vermont, following a two-week quarantine in a nearby Airbnb. She was continuing to distance from her parents while back in her childhood home. And now you're in your parents' house. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, what's that? What's that like? What's it like living with them? Yeah. Well, so let's see. It's been a little over 24 hours now. Um, so my, my two week quarantine period ended yesterday. Um, and once again, so I was feeling very worried even after two weeks about exposing my parents to something. Because of course, my parents are 65. I, I don't even want to like pose like a 0.0001 chance uh, like uh, of a threat to them um so what i did is my parents left me so they have two cars they left me one car the airbnb i packed all my stuff into it got in the car drove up here that car is now in a three-day quarantine um <laughs> no one's touching it for three days um i actually put on a, a construction mask which my parents had left me in the car and came into the house with all my stuff, went straight up to the attic um, and have pretty much been in the attic. Um, but still, I'm realizing that I think the isolation was was sort of hard on a level um, that I hadn't realized because even just being able to have a distanced dinner with my parents. So they sat at the bottom of the attic stairs in chairs uh, and I sat at the top. So we were, <laughs> you know, maybe 10 feet away from each other. Um, we could, you know, we could wave at each other and, and talk. Um, and we had dinner and I, I was just, that was really, really nice. Um, just to be able to, to talk to someone in person over dinner. Um, yeah. And, uh, not as bad as I thought it would be. No, I'm. What did uh, you think was going to be bad? Uh, I thought I would just go really stir crazy. I think I imagined that the ceiling, if this attic was a little lower than it was, but actually it's kind of spacious. I've kind of been running around. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's weird. You know, anytime I want anything, like I have to call my parents. Like I'm so completely dependent on them. Like in the morning, I have to call and be like, okay, um, could you bring me a cup of coffee? <laughs> and then they come and like leave the coffee at the bottom of the stairs and then they go away and then I can go and get the coffee. Um, so I'm realizing they are like aware of literally every single thing I consume. Um, <laughs> it's, it's this weird level of dependence that, you know, kind of, you know, at 28, it feels like it's been a long time since I've had to ask my parents to bring me food. 
um, but it's kind of funny. The last clip I'll play is between UVM students Ethan Gatfield and Ezra Peterman. They spoke over Zoom. Is there any part of like this transition that's been like kind of hard for you? And if there has been, like if there's anything that you can think of, like how would you like address that? Or have you, I suppose. Both answers are right. Let me think for a sec. Um, main thing was motivation for school. I agree. <laughs> um, like to the point where I just, I'd waste three quarters of the week and have nothing done and then just race for it in the last two days. Um, but I've, I've gotten better. It's still tough, but it's like really tough on my mind because I get mad at myself for not being able to, f- to focus. And then it's just like this bad cycle. Yeah, I feel the same way. I've definitely like, like I'll spend like five hours or like not five, but like, you know, a good chunk of time, like sitting down to do homework, but like I'll probably only actually work for like 45 minutes or an hour. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If, and that's like generous. <laughs> trying to think of if I have anything else for you here. Um, is there any, what's like a little, I guess one question I, I was thinking about for myself and for you, um, is there any like little thing that you miss? It's a good question. Like to give an, I guess to give an example, like for me, I kind of just miss like like from being in Vermont or being at school, I miss at UVM. I miss like kind of just walking around and seeing people. Like even if I'm not talking to people, like just looking kind of like people watching a little bit. Yeah. Just like at least, you know, that kind of thing. I kind of, I kind of enjoy that. I like that. Yeah. Um, okay. I'll give you one. I don't know if this is like the thing I miss, the little thing I miss most, but it's just something. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that like when I'm at pre-quarantine I feel like music was just like such a good happy thing mm-hmm. not necessarily happy music but like I like to listen to music A like with people doing things driving places um, doing work <laughs> like walking to class it's just the kind of thing where like i'll associate music with like doing things and going places mm-hmm. but now I, I just associate it with like it's just music at home and i'm like getting just a, i don't know it that's something i miss is like having a purpose to listen to the music Through these recordings, we gain a sense of how different people, living through similar circumstances, made sense of the changes in the world around them. We're so grateful to everyone who shared with us during such a vulnerable time. Of course, we're limited by time on this podcast, but if you want to further explore the Listening in Place sound archive in full, you can get in touch with VFC archivist Andy Kolovos. 
Over the past year, VFC has continued to adapt and experiment with how we approach our work, and listening in place has developed and changed throughout that process. But these early recordings, which allowed us to establish this collection in our archive dedicated to documenting the experiences of Vermonters during COVID-19, feel so foundational to the project. They offer a unique opportunity for reflection on our journey over the past year. I want to say again how grateful we are to the people who participated in interviews and story circles and helped co-create the Listening in Place collection. If you're interested in hearing more of these early Listening in Place recordings, you can check out the special episode of Vermont Untapped we released last April about the virtual story circles we hosted during lockdown. By the time summer 2020 rolled around, we saw a drop-off of crowdsourced submissions to the archive, and the realities of Zoom fatigue seemed to make virtual story circles less appealing. So we put out a call for people to get in touch if they were interested in being interviewed by one of us, an initiative we called Virtual Vox Pops. Vox Pop means voice of the people, and it's named after the person-on-the-street-style interviews associated with radio and TV reporting. The calls we received came from individuals and groups, such as Project Independence in Middlebury. You can hear an example of this work in episode 12 of this podcast. Another thing that caught the eye of our resident folklorist and archivist Andy Kolovos was the proliferation of photos showing people in their homemade masks. So we launched a call to show us your masks, and we received hundreds of colorful photos illustrating how Vermonters were keeping each other safe in style. Folk life is everyday life. So our efforts to work with Vermonters from all backgrounds and corners of the state to document their cultures and experiences continue as we seemingly approach what will be the home stretch of this marathon. This summer, we'll share another episode of Vermont Untapped featuring interviews with some of the makers behind all those mask photos. As for right now, this spring we're focused on the Listening in Place Youth Voices Collection, which is engaging Vermont middle and high school students in recording interviews with each other to represent the perspectives of young people living through this time. Our staff continues to engage in remote field work, and we're still supporting individuals and communities in their own documentary projects. After listening to this episode, if you're inspired to hop on the phone or a Zoom call and interview someone, visit www.vtfolklife.org listening to learn more. Thank you so much for tuning in to this Listening in Place retrospective. From all of us at the VFC, we hope you and yours are hanging in there and looking forward to brighter days soon. If you like listening to this show, please tell others to look us up and subscribe. This episode of Vermont Untapped has been made possible in part by the National Endowment for the Humanities. Democracy demands wisdom. It was produced by me, Mary Wesley. Abra Claussen was an assistant producer on this episode. Our executive producer is Andy Kolovos. The cello music in this show was recorded by Dave Hoy. Thanks for listening.